Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks for joining us once again. Now, if you can hear in my voice, I've got a little bit of a cold. I apologize for that, but I didn't want to put off this uh, particular podcast uh, another day because I'm really excited about our guest. Now, we are continuing our series on the uh, five points of Calvinism, otherwise known as the, the Doctrines of Grace. Last week, we talked about kind of a historical overview uh, with Dr. Brian Hansen, and today we have with us a special guest, uh, Pastor Tom Buck, who's the pastor at First Baptist Church in uh, Lindale, Texas. Also, uh, just if correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Buck, but you just recently got your doctorate from Southern, is that correct? Uh, yes, I graduated a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations on that. I appreciate that very much. Well, and uh, welcome to the podcast here. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, fantastic to be here, and I'm glad that we can take a little time to talk together. And uh, so we're talking about our, our this the first points of what we typically refer to as the, as the tulip, uh, total depravity. Now, there's a lot of things that, I mean, you know, I'm talking with a pastor who's been pastoring for many years, uh, degrees in uh Greek and a Bible exposition and a doctorate from Moody, but I feel like on this topic, um, I have a lot of experience with being depraved, so I don't feel as intimidated talking to you about this. Yeah, I'm the same way. <laughs> I have to, if, if there's anything I feel an expert on, it probably is total depravity. <laughs> so uh, let's define our terms here, and what what do we mean by total depravity? Yeah, I think that's a, an important question, particularly because I think people do misunderstand what we mean by that. I told the Pravi is not saying that every single individual is as bad as they possibly can be. Right. Meaning that everyone is acting as out uh, in, in the most simple ways possible. It doesn't mean that uh, that people do not do things that appear to be good, even unbelievers. Um, but it means that every single person, uh, first and foremost, is guilty completely before God, condemned right. before God. And it means that all of us are as what has been said, bad off as we can't be. That we have no ability uh, to please God in any way, nor do we have any true desire to seek God. As Scripture says, no man seeks God doesn't mean we're not religious. Uh, mankind is inherently religious because we, I believe we're created in the image of God. We are, we have within us the desire to uh, worship. We're going to worship something. But whatever we do, we do for self-centered reasons and for uh, birth out of our sinful desires. So that's, that's in a nutshell what we mean when we're talking about total depravity. Um, that still doesn't sound very good to me. Yeah, it, it makes me sound like a, a pretty bad guy. Well, Scripture says we certainly are. It says right. that uh, no one, no one uh, in any way, Romans tells us that we uh, is righteous, not even one. Uh, no one seeks after God. We have to believe what Scripture says on that. Right. Um, and we have to understand that that is our moral condition. Now, again, as I said earlier, it doesn't mean that everyone's living out uh, that in, in their daily expression to the same degree. One person put it this way, I heard years ago, that everyone is equally dead in their sin. Uh, some are expre expressing levels of decay at greater amounts than mm. others. But, uh, uh, but we're <coughs> equally dead. We have no 
ability to come to God yeah. in our own strength or our own ability. I like the illustration that uh, he's not Reformed, but Charles Ryrie, uh, in his book on theology, compared it to a rose. You know, I, if I, uh, my, my anniversary is coming up. Um, actually, pretty soon. I better take care of that. But I, I'm going to give my, if I give my uh-huh. wife a rose or, or a bouquet of flowers, they look beautiful and they're wonderful, but in reality, they're dead. They've been ripped from the ground. They've been ripped from the stem. And these things are going, they look nice now, but they are going to decay. And we're going to see uh, very soon the reality of, of, of the deadness that's there. Not to ruin our anniversary. Oh, yeah, that's a good illustration. I agree. <laughs> um, well, let's look at some of these scriptures. You mentioned Romans 3. Now, I want to read Romans 3, uh, verses 10 through 18. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And, I, you know, if we back up even further in Romans, Romans 1, we see uh, Paul condemning uh, the heathen. And in chapter 2, Paul condemns uh, even his own people, the Jews. And by the time we get to chapter 3, there's no one left here that, that can stand before God and say, uh, I'm a pretty decent guy, and I, I've earned my way up into heaven here. That's exactly right. It falls quoting from a variety of Old Testament passages. Right. There. So this is not something that, that's taught in a section of Scripture. It's certainly not proof texting. It is the uh, full testimony and witness of the Scripture over and over again about the wickedness and the depth of depravity of the, of the heart of man. Yeah. And, and speaking of the heart of man, Jeremiah 17, 9, you know, a classic passage from the Old Testament. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And see, I, I look at that passage, and that shakes me to the core because I, I've heard many of my fellow believers and, and a lot of good gospel songs, well, not good gospel songs, uh, talk about, you know, if, if only people could see the inside of me. I'm, You know, on the outside, I'm, I'm a pretty bad guy, but if people could just see my heart, well, if I understand this verse right, my heart is worse than my outside. That's right. We don't, one of the things that we don't realize is our ability to be self-defeat. Yeah. Uh, the level of our ability to be self-defeat. And so we, we all have a tendency to think of ourselves better than we really are. Hmm. And uh, that's, we, that's why we need God's Word to reveal to us our true condition. Because if we didn't have God's Word to reveal our true condition, we would all think that we're pretty decent people. Right. Uh, because we would be comparing ourselves uh, to others that that appear to be worse, at least in their outward behavior, and we uh, continue to allow our inner lawyer to convince us that we're really an okay person. Right. Um, and I don't want to remind our listeners, I didn't say this at the top of the show, but um, I, I've once again been kicked out of my normal recording studio. So I'm here at home, our, our new home, by the way, we just moved in, and uh, I'm in the office area, so I finally have a place for my library and whatnot. Uh, but you're going to hear my kids, you're going to hear the uh, our oldest mowing the lawn and our youngest screaming about who knows what, but um, they're all awake now. But so if you hear that, that's why. Um, but yeah, Pastor Buck mentioned our, our inner lawyer. Uh, we do like to convince ourselves that we're we're just, we're not that bad. I mean, we uh, we all have that spark of the divine, don't we? But in reality, that's far from the truth. Well, 
absolutely. And I think Jesus kind of, I mean, this isn't the primary teaching of Matthew 7, but the implication <laughs> is certainly there when Jesus said that we need to uh, get the log out of our own eye uh, hmm. rather than sitting in judgment on others. And, and, and then so that we can help our brother get the speck out. But one of the implications there is that we can easily and very clearly see the sin of others while we miss the incredible amount of sin in ourselves. Yeah. And that just shows how self-deceived we are uh, because we think we can see the smallest little bit of problem with somebody else while we've got this gigantic blob sticking out of our own eyes. So I think... You know, it's interesting that you bring up Matthew 7, because, you know, the very first two words in Matthew 7, 1, is judge not. And oftentimes we don't read the rest of the passage, um, because, I mean, that, that it's interesting because that's a, that's a common reframe, that there's no way that you could judge me. I don't want to be judged. Um, you can't judge other people. But in reality, when we read through the scriptures, we've already been judged. And we're just not willing to uh, grapple with the conviction. That's exactly right. In fact, the only way that I really can get the log out of my own eye is to allow the Word of God to, to show right. it to me. Um, and, and therefore, I'm not to set myself up as the judge, as the Pharisees were. But right. I'm to allow God's Word to judge my heart. And then I'm in a better place to be able to help others because I see my sin for what it actually is. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's a really good insight for us to draw an implication out of Matthew seven of how self deceiving to be. Yeah, and I think of the Psalms where David constantly is praying, God search me and try me and know my ways and he wants his sin to be revealed so we can deal with that sin and uh, draw closer to Christ. Um, let me ask you this we'll you go know, go ahead. Let me say one thing that I think is really important about why our understanding is so depravity is so critical. Yeah. I said this throughout my ministry, that the depth of the problem determines the extent of the solution. Mm. So if, if we don't understand the depth of our problem regarding our sin, we will get the gospel wrong or incomplete or uh, whatever word that you description you might want to use. But yeah. we are not going to understand the gospel as... Uh, in, as distinctly as we should right. if we don't get the depth of the problem. So right. when I understand the depth of my problem of sin, that I'm really totally afraid, then I begin to understand what is it going to take to resolve that problem. The only thing that can resolve the problem that we have is the absolute 100% pure grace of God. Right. And so this is why it's so significant for us to get this issue right from what the scriptures teach about. Right, and grace is absolutely meaningless if we don't understand that we're in desperate need of it. Grace is, doesn't mean anything if we if we don't think that we are absolutely uh, guilty before God and, and ready to be to be thrown into eternal condemnation. Absolutely, and incapable right. of doing anything for ourselves. And in all reality, the desire isn't even there um, to change that if we understand that correctly. Uh, would you agree that this is not only just foundational for grace, but we're, you know, as we talk about Calvinism or these five points that we're going to be going through, um, this is, I mean, it's at the top of the list that we're covering, but I think the reason for that is unless you get this, none of these other things make sense. Even 
Uh, you know, there are times I struggle with the idea of, of a limited atonement, but if I get depravity right, um, that makes the idea of God uh, dying for his elect a lot more feasible and a lot more understandable. If I don't, if I don't, if I grapple with the idea of an unconditional election, well, I got to understand depravity first before I can grapple with any of these things. We 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 can't get any of this until depravity is set in in, in stone here. Oh, absolutely! In fact, I would go more than more than just understandable, uh, a fundamental necessity. Hmm. And that's why I said the depth of the problem determines the extent of the solution. Right. Because if we are actually spiritually dead then there's no way we can resuscitate ourselves. Mm. Uh, it's going to require God to do an act of, of uh, unconditional election <coughs> in order to bring us to life. It's going to help us understand uh, the <coughs> order saluta mm. uh, and, and the reason of understanding why it happens in the way it happens, why regeneration is necessary for me to be able to be uh, given the faith, to be able to exercise that faith and belief in God. Uh God has to do a miracle. Just We're as dead as Lazarus was in the tomb. If God doesn't say, come forth, we won't come forth. Right. Um, I think it even goes to limit, a limited atonement, which I would you know, prefer you know, uh, accomplished redemption right. that Christ did. It, it requires Christ actually accomplishing something on the cross, not making something merely possible. Right. Um, so you know, there's no doubt that if we understand what the Bible teaches about our depth of depravity, we will understand immediately the necessity of the other point uh, of what Scripture teaches regarding election, regarding the accomplishment of Christ upon the cross, regarding the need for God's grace that will that is effectual and is uh, uh, is going to accomplish His purpose. And then once God does that and fills us in His grace through His through His Holy Spirit filling us, we persevere. So, uh, yeah, it's from beginning to end. If you get this wrong, you miss everything else, which right. is why those who are not uh, Calvinistic know that they've got, even Baptists now are starting to attack the belief in uh, the doctrines of grace, are attacking total depravity very strongly because they understand that if you, if you say total depravity the way that the Bible says it, uh, you cannot help but go where the Bible does go. Right. regarding uh, the rest of the doctors of grace. So how does depravity affect our will? Because you, we mentioned uh, the extent of the atonement, and I do like the idea of an accomplished atonement, an atonement or something like an, an actual atonement. It actually did something. If, if Christ's death on the cross made salvation only possible, we're still dead in our sin and unwilling to come to Christ. Uh, because our, our wills haven't changed. By nature, um, we are depraved. So how does this affect, because uh, the big question is, well, what about our free will? How does this affect our will? And then, um, well, let's, let's, let's stop there. How does, this, how does this idea of depravity affect our, our quote-unquote free will? Well, I think there's two fundamental books, and I think you were going to ask me about this anyway, so I'll go ahead and say sure. it now. There's two fundamental books that we need to read that uh, totally transformed my understanding regarding our will and depravity. You must read these two. Uh, they're not easy reads, but they're necessary. Bondage of the Will by Luther. you got to mm. read that. Yeah. And then Freedom, Freedom of the Will uh, by Jonathan Edwards. Those two books need to both be read. Uh, the, the 
because, you know, Luther's book's going to help you understand exactly what the Bible teaches regarding how our will is in, in, in complete bondage, that it is in bondage to sin, that we do not have the ability. It's not that we don't have a free will. We most certainly do. Yeah. But it's bound to, to sin itself. Right. Jonathan Edwards helps us understand the freedom of the will, that, yes, man is free to choose, but he chooses what he most, what he desires right. the most strongly. And so the desire of every single lost person is bound completely and um, with, without exception, it's bound up in sinful desires, even if it is just for the glorification of self, uh, the pleasure of self. Uh, even if they're religious, they use, they use their religiosity and they use their desire for God in order to accomplish their own desires. Yeah. So they're really not seeking God, they're seeking their own uh, their own, the God that they've made up in their own mind or the God that they have become willing to worship as long as it's their agenda. So I, I, our, our will is free, there's no doubt of that, uh, in the sense that we, can, that we have the freedom to choose. But the reality is, is that we choose according to what our greatest mm. desire is. And our desires are in bondage to sin, and unless those we're set free and given a new nature that that has new desires uh, and a, a true love for God, a true love for God and man to be able to uh, fulfill God's command, two great commands of Scripture, some that, that sum up the law, uh, we will never be able to do what God has called us to do. Right. So I think the, I think most of those books really help people understand that everybody's will which I have the ability and the freedom to make a moral choice is bound by the desires of my heart. <coughs> so let's um, we as we're wrapping things up here, um, some some dangers to avoid. Where do you think? I'm curious. Where do you think uh, many Calvinists go wrong in this? Are, are there dangers that we have to look at? All right, we we accept this, we embrace this, but how is this maybe perhaps misunderstood? Understood is people say, well, then I'm just a robot. I'm yeah. Whatever, I have no no ability to to make any choice, or whatever it may be. Um, and and the, again, the reality is, yes, we make choices. People make choices every day. Let's take Pharaoh uh, in Romans chapter nine. They'll say, well, Pharaoh didn't. Pharaoh didn't have a choice. Pharaoh certainly did have a choice. The Pharaoh cho- chose what Pharaoh wanted to do, and just like all sinners, Pharaoh had no desire to honor God with his choices. Uh, he's, you know, we see examples of pagans in Scripture uh, out of fear that they personally will uh, receive some type of retribution, will adjust themselves to do what God wants, but it's always self-serving. It's never self-sacrificial. It's never giving up one's um, personal desires in order to honor and glorify God. So we do need to be careful that we don't make man some type of a robot, but that's certainly not what Scripture is saying. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is teach, stand where Scripture stands. Right. And that is, um, God has, has um, spoken to us to share with us completely what our condition is. He's told us very clearly that we are depraved. He's told us very clearly that we're bound in, in, in sin, and therefore we need to pray, you know, when I'm praying for an unbeliever, somebody will say, well, if they're in bondage, what's the point of 
uh, praying for them when it's speaking the gospel. <coughs> prayer is very simply that I know that the only thing that can open a person's mind to the heart of the gospel, scriptures told us in First Corinthians that the natural man cannot accept the things of God. Yeah. So the only thing that can open the mind of an unbeliever is God. Our only hope is God. So we need to get our hope outside of man's ability to wield his uh, supposed free will that we think can do moral good. We need to get away from that, and we need to simply believe what Scripture says, that the only thing that can truly change the heart of man is for God to do a transforming work of the gospel in his heart. Um, Go ahead. Well, I think one of the other things that is important for people to understand that I think people don't get is that when we talk about sin, we're not just talking about individual acts of immorality or uh, just bad things. Uh, Because we look at, you know, well, how do I look at uh, the little baby that was just born? Certainly, this is not a depraved being. He hasn't done anything right or wrong. In fact, um, just a quick shout out to uh, Pastor Aaron White, who will be on this podcast. podcast soon who just today just literally uh an hour ago uh had his had had a had a baby boy uh so congratulations pastor white but you know when pastor white picks up that child he's picking up a depraved child uh because sin is not just a just individual act but it's a condition of the heart that we're that we're born with that we received all the way back from from adam yeah so well not and not only the condition uh, but we also receive the guilt, according right. to Romans chapter 5. Right. And so we are born under condemnation. Uh, and then we evidence that that condemnation is just when we commit our own personal act of, of, of uh, uh, moral rebellion against God. And so Romans 5 makes it very clear that we are born, that we're, we end up sinning because we're born sinners. Right. We evidence, we evidence the true nature that we possess. Um, so absolutely, total depravity is broad in that sense as well. Uh, it's it's not just shown in what we do, but it's shown in who we are, and we do what we do because of who we are. Right. What are some practical applications we can draw from this doctrine? Well, I think uh, there, oh, I mean, there's a myriad. Right. Uh, we've already given one, and that is we need to be clear about communicating and understanding in the gospel mm. uh who men are uh, and, and who we all are, mankind is, is my, my point, who we are uh, as sinners, and that should drive us to our knees to be praying for people's eyes to be open to the gospel. Right. Uh, I think we need to understand the gospel, how to clearly articulate it, but if we really believe in the depravity of man, we pray more uh, as we share the gospel with others, understanding that it's not our ability to persuade with their words, but it is... Uh, God opening the hearts of the minds of people. I think that it would also call us to be more careful, as I said earlier, about how we uh, understand ourselves and how easy it is for us to excuse our own sin or excuse our own motives. We need to be suspect of ourselves more than we are because we still uh, possess uh, the, the residual effects of that depravity in our flesh. And we need to be aware that this battle is still ongoing. Mm. Um, we need to, I think, it, I think it causes us actually to have more compassion for mm. the laws because we understand their state and their condition. I think that we too often are quick to just absolutely blast 
unbelievers and pagans when they're living out uh, the, the gross level of their depravity. We don't excuse it, but we certainly should have more compassion because of their lost condition, understanding that they're acting out of the very nature they possess. And I think that would give us a greater love for the lost and a greater compassion and desire to bring the gospel to them. Those are a few that just pop out of my head. Now, my Armenian friends right now just flipped their lid thinking that uh, somehow uh, evangelism is an application of Calvinism. The shock, the horror of that idea. Um, well, let's uh, wrapping things up here with a uh, recommended resource. You, you mentioned um, Bondage of the Will by Luther and Freedom of the Will uh, by uh, Edwards, which, by the way, the books are that you are in agreement with each other. Uh, are there any other uh, resources that you'd like to, to mention? I think you read those two books and then, of course, read the passages of Scripture that uh, they will both bring to light in that and study those well. And I think you will have everything you need in those two books and the scriptural passages that you'll need to read and will be, as I said in this book. You'll have everything you need to know about the condition of man. Mm. I really do. Uh, there's, I, I haven't come across anything that's better than that combination. And I want to recommend uh, the book that we have been recommending throughout this, a little short kind of intro guide to the topic, uh, Five Points Toward a Deeper Experience of God's Grace by John Piper. And uh, Pastor Tom, I want to thank you for taking the time and coming on the podcast for us. I appreciate you having me on and uh, thankful for uh, your all's ministry as well, and we'll be tuning in more. And I also want to recommend uh, you can be found on Twitter at Tom Buck, and uh, you have a pretty active Twitter account. And... Uh, Especially if you're interested in the uh, the social justice debate, you want someone who's got a biblical perspective, Pastor Tom is, is where to go. So uh, thanks again for, for joining us. Thank you so much. I want to thank all of you for joining us, and we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about the idea of unconditional election, and uh, Les Lanfear from the Reformed Pubcast will be uh, with us again on that. So uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check us out on Twitter as well at Basic Biblecast. Until next week, have a great rest of your week.